Today, we look at some of the most common operational questions from business aviation pilots. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan, sponsored by Varion, formerly ATP. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. NBAA offers many useful resources to assist pilots flying domestically or overseas. Recently, the association's domestic ops team identified a few of the topics NBAA members most often have questions about, and we'll delve into those now. Joining me today is Brian Kester, Director of Flight Operations and Regulations at NBAA, along with Noah Yarborough, Aviation Operations Manager and Staff Liaison to NBAA's Domestic Operations Committee, and Cameron Smith, Aviation Operations Specialist for the Association. Cameron, let's start off with you. Pilots who most often fly within the U.S. might run into unexpected difficulties when operating internationally, particularly when they're over age 65. What challenges might those pilots encounter, and how might that differ if they're flying under Part 135 versus Part 91? So, the maximum age limitations depend on the type of operation and have little impact on Part 91 operations. However, the crew members who are 65 and older may act as a pilot in command of an aircraft conducting Part 91 operations on international flights. For commercial operations, including Part 135, an aviator in a single pilot operation may not be 60 years or older. In this case, of commercial operations with more than one pilot, both pilots must be under the age of 65. I see. And there are also regulations under the International Civil Aviation Organization regarding a pilot's medical certificate when operating internationally as pilot-in-command. How do those international requirements differ from FAA regulations? Oh, they differ in many ways. So the international requirements for the commercial pilots operating as a pilot in command are actually outlined in ICAO, Annex 1, Personal Licensing. These requirements set the global standards for pilot licensing, including medical certifications. While ICAO sets the baseline standards, individual countries may have an additional specific regulation that commercial pilots must comply with when operating within their airspace. There are a few requirements for ICAO. The age restriction. ICAO Annex 1 does not specify a maximum age limit for commercial pilots operating as pilot-in-command. However, in contrast, the FAA requires commercial pilots to be under the age of 65 to act as a pilot-in-command for Part 135 air carrier operations. Another program operators often have questions about is NBAA's small aircraft exemption. What is that exemption, Cameron, and what are the benefits? The NBAA small aircraft exemption is an exemption granted by the Federal Aviation Administration. This allows certain small aircraft operators to conduct flights under less stringent regulations. The exemption is designed to provide relief to operators of small business aircraft, specifically those with aircraft that weigh 12,500 pounds or less. From the more complex and restrictive regulations that apply to larger commercial aircraft, the exemption is applicable to operators of small aircraft that meet specific criteria. The aircraft must have a maximum takeoff weight of 12,500 pounds or less and be operated under Part 91. So the benefits are quite simple. You have relief from some FARs, cost savings and simplified operations, enhanced business flexibility, 
operators are granted relief from the certain FARs that would otherwise apply to larger operators. This exemption allows for more flexible operations, making it easier for small aircraft operators to conduct flights for business and personal use without the same regulatory burden as larger commercial operators. So, operating under the small aircraft exemption, operators can save on certain costs associated with compliance and certification requirements that apply to larger commercial aircraft. The exemption streamlines operations and reduces administrative burdens, making it more cost-effective for certain small aircraft operators to conduct business-related flights. Brian, what section of the federal aviation regulations apply in this case, and what are the benefits? Well, we see the smaller craft exemption facilitate is the possibility for small aircraft operators to take advantage of the rules under 91501B. And that really gets into limited cost sharing and limited reimbursement opportunities, which can be really advantageous for anyone operating an aircraft or business. Obviously, anytime you can recoup some costs, uh, it can be beneficial. We do know some folks have tried to use this to you know, turn a profit or something like that. That's really not the intent of this. If you're trying to, to turn a profit or operate for a business, make that the sole means of the, the business, you need to get a Part 135 certificate. But if you're just looking uh, to help cover some of those costs, this is a great way to do that. Large aircraft operators are able to do that with the benefits of the FARs and MBA was able to secure the same benefits for smaller craft operators who happen to be MBA members. Thanks, Brian. So, Noah, how do business aircraft operators go about receiving the exemption? It's pretty simple and straightforward. First, you have to be an MBAA member, and then you have to file a notice of joinder to the FAA exemption number 7897K. This puts operators on the FAA's list of MBA members that can utilize the small aircraft exemption. You can find that on the MBAA's website under Flight Department Administration. It's pretty simple and straightforward to fill out. So I highly suggest anyone who wants to utilize these benefits and get access to the small aircraft exemption, definitely go on our website and check that out. Brian, operators also need to be mindful of those rules and limitations in that letter of exemption so they don't run afoul of the FARs. Yeah, and that has a a series of limitations and provisions. It indicates that you have to notify the closest FISDO of your intent. You also have to provide them with an approved maintenance program. That's because large aircraft operators would normally have to use an approved maintenance program anyways. And it can be as simple as using the manufacturer's approved program. So it doesn't have to be complicated. Most folks are doing that already anyway. But they do have to let the FAA know that they're going to comply with all those limitations. And then, of course, if they're going to enter into any sort of lease agreement, they would have to then comply with uh, what essentially is the equivalent of the truth and leasing rules of 9123. And again, those rules apply to the large aircraft that are permitted by rule to use 91501 anyway. So essentially what that means is if you're going to use 91501, you have to comply with some of the rules for large airplanes, just notifying the FISDO at at certain times. But like Noah said, it's a pretty easy process and we hope folks are able to take advantage of that. Coming up, some more useful information about a newly enacted requirement for many business aviation pilots. But first, this word from our sponsor. Take your aviation operations to new heights. Introducing Varion, formerly known as ATP, your ultimate partner in achieving maximum aircraft uptime. At Varion, we understand the challenges faced by everyone in aviation. Our industry-leading technology solutions revolutionize aircraft management, so there's no more waiting, no more wondering, and no more wasted effort. 
Get real-time visibility of your maintenance, inventory, operations, and regulatory data right at your fingertips with an easy-to-use system. Backed by a team of experts with deep aviation knowledge, offering 24-7, 365 support. After 50 years in the business, we have built a growing reputation for getting our customers more aircraft uptime. That's why thousands of aircraft operators worldwide have already discovered the power of Varion. Say goodbye to downtime and hello to increased efficiency and profitability. Visit Varion.com to learn more. Varion, let's get you more uptime. We're back now with Brian Kester, Noah Yarborough, and Cameron Smith, and our discussion about some of the most common domestic operations questions from pilots and flight departments. And certainly one of the most vexing topics of late has been the FAA's Pilot Records Database, or PRD, which went into effect last year. Cameron, please tell us more about this requirement. The Pilot Record Database requires air carriers and certain other operators to report pilots' employment history, training, and qualifications to the database, as well as review records contained in the database when considering pilots for possible employment. And operators who must comply with the PRD must meet certain requirements, including operating two or more type-certificated aircraft or turbine-powered rotorcraft in furtherance of a business or incidental to that business. And the operation is solely pursuant to the general operating and flight rules in 14 CFR Part 91 or pursuant to the Letter of Deviation Authority issued under the 14 CFR Part 125. The Pilot Record Database will eventually phase out the current Pilot Records Improvement Act, procedures that require air carriers to solicit pilot records from past employees and instead attempts to consolidate relevant records in one's data. The PRIA will remain in effect for approximately three years or until September 9th of 2024 to allow for the following requirements of the new Pilot Record Database rule to be implemented. I see. So, Noah, what resources are available to help assist pilots in navigating the PRD, and what kind of information are they required to report? MBAA's PRD Guide is a great resource. Um, It actually has pretty much everything we're talking about and goes into detail on things such as when you need to report, what you need to report, how often, timeline. So it's a great resource that I highly suggest pilots to look at if you're interested to know what your employer is going to be reporting on, but also the employers and the operators to look at on how to do it and how to move forward. But pretty much employers are required to report certain records to the PRD for each individual pilot in accordance with Part 111, Subpart C. Part 135 is required to report drug and alcohol. They're required to report training, qualifications, and proficiency records. Um, They're required to report any final disciplinary actions, separations of employment, motor vehicle driving record. Part 135 is required to pretty much report everything. Part 125 is a little different. They're required to report training records, qualifications, and proficiency records, any final disciplinary actions, separations of employment, and motor vehicle driving records. And it it kind of changes for each subpart. 91K is required uh, training, qualification, and proficiency records, any final disciplinary actions, separations of employment. So you can see this one differs. It doesn't require motor vehicle driving records. So every part has a little bit different requirements. And then corporate flight departments require training, qualifications, and proficiency records, any final disciplinary actions and separations of employment. Some of our bigger MBAA members are required to report. It can differ from operation and upon request, you may need to report 
some more information if that's what the FAA is asking of you. One thing I'd like to emphasize is that for Part 91 flight departments, the rules for when you're required to submit information are a little bit different. You only have to submit information when requested. So the training and qualification and proficiency records, uh, you don't have to put anything in unless a pilot who used to work for you is going off to work for an air carrier and that air carrier is then reaching out and requesting the records. The one exception to that is if you terminate a pilot, if they can't follow company protocols, you know, they're wearing the wrong color tie or the wrong color socks and they refuse to get the right color. So you let them go. That's one thing. But if you end up terminating them because they do not demonstrate proficiency as a pilot or they're unable to perform their job flying the aircraft, that you have to report to the database right away. Everything else you can report as requested, which is a big difference and makes it a lot easier for Part 91 flight departments to comply with the rule. When it comes to compliance time, a lot of dates have actually gone by, but one of the most one most important is September 9th, 2024 is when PREA, the Pilot Record Act, ends and full compliance with PRD is required. So upload historical records generated before uh, January 1st, 2015. And that's for all operators that are reporting. We actually just had one of the dates passed June 12th, 2023. That was a complete reporting of historical records uh, that were generated by January 1st, 2015. And that was for air carriers. So 121, 125, 135, or 91K. Um, so those are kind of the big dates, particularly September 9th, 2024. It's when everyone will have to have all their records reported for PRD because that's when PREA comes to an end. The last common question we get from operators, typically from the certificate holders who are required to put in uh, historical records, uh, a lot of times they'll reach out and ask, what if we don't have these records? They didn't know they were supposed to maintain records dating all the way back to 2005 or something like that. So they may not have them anymore. What do we do? We can't put in records we don't have. The feedback I've heard from the FAA on this is one, that they're not looking to pursue certificate action or anything like that on this. They're looking for folks to make a good faith effort to put in the records they have. So certainly put in any information you have. And then the other thing that folks can do to try to protect themselves is fill out a NASA report in the aviation safety reporting system to provide that feedback and give themselves perhaps a little bit of protection that way. And it's worth reiterating, Noah, that guidance on your requirements under the PRD is available in NBAA's Pilot Records Database Resource Guide. It really is it has tons of information. I get calls all the time about people who simply are just like, what do I do with PRD? And I'm able to give them this document, explain it a little bit, and all of their questions are answered pretty quickly. I think the other advice is don't wait, start doing it now if you haven't already started doing it because of your large operator with a lot of pilots and you have to report some of this historical data from 2015, that can be a lot of information that you need to try and gather and put together and submit to the PRD. So don't wait, act now, and use the resources that are available. I encourage operators to really go look at the MBAA's website and check out some of our guides. We have guides on operating and leasing. We have guides on aircraft management, taxes, PRD, pilot, crew, and rest duty. So I really, I really encourage all operators to go check out some of those guides. It could be an issue that you've been dealing with for a long time and MBAA has an answer. All it takes is digging a little bit into our website and seeing what guides we have to offer. 
A good place to start looking for that information is NBAA's operations resource at nbaa.org forward slash ops. And Noah, if folks still have questions, I'm sure they can also reach out to you, Cameron, or Brian on the NBAA domestic operations team. Yeah, you can totally reach out to us at ops at nbaa.org. That's Oscar Papa Sierra at nbaa.org. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Uh, 3500. Uh, we got him inside. We're slowing back to 170.